I when I was watching this movie, I remembered that like two weeks ago, you showed me this news clip of monkeys ravaging this town because all of the tourism had all but evaporated. <laughs> You know, and so there's no but there's no people around. So all yeah. these monkeys are just ripping through this town, like taking food and like almost practically looting. And all I could think about was this movie. <laughs> I was like, oh, some family got bored in quarantine and they got Jumanji out. <laughs> now we have a mess on our hands. <laughs> back to Kicking and Streaming, where in the basement, siblings meet to rehash movies as a treat. I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And this week we are talking about the 1995 family adventure film, Jumanji. Oh, don't say, if you say it three times, I hear something happens. <laughs> Is that so? No, I'm kidding. Jumanji, Jumanji, Jumanji. I think that's Beetlejuice. <laughs> Which we should also cover. Yes, we should. <laughs> when you think of childhood, isn't Jumanji in there somewhere? <laughs> if you're in a certain age bracket, you, yeah. You I know what I mean? Think so. Before we get started, guys, head on over to Facebook and Twitter. Follow us at Kick and Stream. K-I-C-K-N-S-T-R-E-A-M. If you have questions or suggestions or you want to write us hate mail, you can do so at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. That's with an am, not an ampersand. Unless you do want to write us hate mail, in which case it's an ampersand. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that'll show them. <laughs> I'm glad how pleased you were with yourself on that one. This movie changed entirely how I felt about board games, which I was not very interested in before I had ever seen this movie. Oh, it sure is. I mean, I'm... It just kind of, I just kind of saw board games in a different way after that. Like, I, my little child... My child... No, listen to me. Very eye-opening. My No. <laughs> my child imagination would just run away with these ideas of what, like, the extended universe of a board game was like. Mm -hmm. Like, if, if we could Jumanji any board game, what board game would we Jumanji? Candyland. Candyland? <laughs> That's a pretty good choice. <laughs> um, definitely not the game of life. Oh, <laughs> uh, no, not the game of life. I'm already in that one. Already losing that I'm one pretty bad. I'm losing it. Oh, Lord. <laughs> Agalord. 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 How do you spell that? <laughs> U-G-H-L-O-R-D. Agalord. I'm glad you decided to buy this place. I'm sure that you and your kids will be very happy here. Every house has secrets. Everybody in town thinks the place is haunted. But what happened in this house? Little Alan Parrish. He just vanished about... Uh... 25 years ago. It's a mystery that began a long time ago when Alan Parrish was just a young boy who made an incredible discovery. Jumanji, you want to play? Alan, look. In the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. Twenty-six years later, Peter and Judy Shepard are about to play the same game and make an incredible discovery of their own. Are you Alan Parrish? 
<sighs> so this film is based off of a children's book by a guy named Chris Van Allsburg. I was so pleased with that this movie is not that long. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? It's barely two hours. It is so, like, evenly paced. I know. So much happens. I mean, it is very up, down, up, down, up, down. And what I mean is in the house, out of the house, in the house, out of the house. <laughs> yeah, no but, kidding. But, um... We got, we got names. Oh, we got big names. We got names. <laughs> Guys, let's welcome Robin Williams back to kicking and streaming. Yes, Robin Williams, who they did not originally want to put in this. Really? No, because they were afraid he was going to bring some huge Mork energy to it. Mm. Like going off script every five seconds and just shouting nonsense. Kirsten Dunst. Dunst. Kirsten Dumps. Why are you being that way over there? It's, okay, I know she was in Spider-Man, like... <laughs> I don't know why you have so much disdain. I don't have disdain. She's just not... The... She's just not your favorite. She's not my favorite. That's fine. Um, You know, she was Little Anastasia. She was. In, in Anastasia. Bonnie Hunt. Everybody's mom, Bonnie Hunt. I love Bonnie Hunt. Whether you know her from Cheaper by the Dozen or Cars, <laughs> she's a treat and a delight, and I love her. We've got Jonathan Hyde. Yes. Mr. Ismay. Yeah, guys. Remember back a couple episodes ago when I said you could draw a, a clear line of six degrees between these movies? Jonathan Hyde and Bill Paxton from Twister mm -hmm. were both in Titanic. Mm -hmm. If you're Carrie Ann, you know um, Babe Newworth from Frasier. Because <laughs> I think Carrie Ann is well, the only person that watches <laughs> Frasier. That's not true. In 2020. That's not true. Hi, Mike. <laughs> All right. Mike knows who Lilith is. <laughs> David Allen Greer of In Living Color fame as Carl. <laughs> yeah. I love God. it. God. Carl. I love Carl. Bradley Pierce, the little boy that plays Peter, yeah. is the original voice of Chip from Beauty and the Beast. That's fun. All right. This is a lot to unpack. Let's unpack. <laughs> yeah, let's try to get I wanna, through this. I want to start this by saying this film is scary. Yeah, no kidding. Like, I, I like every time I watch it in adulthood, I'm like, I get that same feeling I get when I was a kid. Like, ooh. We open in Brantford, New Hampshire, 1869. This pair of teenage boys is shadily burying a chest in the middle of the night. Like, it's no big deal. Someone digs it up. May God have mercy on his soul. When you're watching this again and you're like, well, you know everything that happens throughout the rest of the movie. And I'm just thinking about what these poor bastards in 1869 <laughs> had to go through and what. And I wrote, they are burying what could only have been viewed in that time as a talisman of evil. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's why they're so serious about it. Like those drums are going and they're like really sketched out. My first question is, did they have board games in 1869? Yeah. This is something I probably should have Googled. Board games have probably been around since like the Renaissance. Were they not still doing the ball in the cup and the hoop in the stick or ball whatever? Ball in a cup, ball in a cup, ball, ball in a cup, ball in a cup, ball in a cup. Do you ever just snap your fingers and it's a hundred years later? <laughs> no, but that's the magic of movies. <laughs> because now we're in Bramford, New Hampshire, 1969. So this Alan kid's the prince of New Hampshire, right? <laughs> Little and... Alan Parrish. <laughs> Alan is the son of a factory owner. His dad runs a shoe factory. He employs a lot of people. He has a lot of money. Like, His family founded the town. They're they're a big deal. And like it's kind of, I imagine that's there's a lot of pressure with that when your dad's such a big deal 
And it's like, hey, my dad lost his job because your dad did this, so I'm gonna beat the crap out of you. Children are the cruelest. There's all these subjects like it, Jumanji, where there are just these packs of kids. I completely agree with you. This whole opening sequence in the 60s has so many of the same beats as lots of Stephen King subjects. Yeah. We have a small town in the Northeast. We have a kid being tormented by bullies. We have missing children whose deaths have become the stuff of local legend. And most appropriately, we have supernatural objects that have no business being supernatural in the first place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come on. Good parents, run to daddy. Movie waiter. Alan steals away into parachutes. This is where we get Carl. Carl is a line operator in the factory. and I, Soul man. Yeah, the soul man. Yeah. yeah. And he and Alan just have this weird little relationship. That it's one of those adult-child relationships in movies that's never explained. Exactly. Like John Mulaney's whole bit about how no one explains how the professor and Marty McFly know each other. So Carl's about to change the face of the New England shoe market. You know, this was the first time that I had an intellectualization about why this shoe was such a big deal. Now, I've been working on this for almost a year, and I got an appointment this afternoon with your father to show him this. Go ahead, take it. What is it? What is it? Man, this is the future. If I can get Will Chamberlain to wear them, I predict there'll be a pair of those in every closet in America. Because you know what it is? It's an Air Jordan. Jumanji out here saying that Carl Bentley created Jays. Like, Google some pictures of the early, mid-80s Jordans. They look similar. And this is 1969. So Carl has basically invented Air Jordans 15-plus years early. That's why this is such a funny kind of callback, because it's the mid-90s. They were booming in the mid-90s. <laughs> and then Dad appears. What are you doing here? I've told you before, this factory isn't a playground, it's dangerous. Sam Parrish, played by Jonathan Hyde. Sam's like, who's making all this noise in this factory? <laughs> How's his accent for you? I like his accent. I know. It... It's not It's not Kennedy spread. <laughs> it is very Laconia. It's very upcountry. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's, very, it's, refi it's like a refined Massachusetts accent. I love it. It really is. Dad, can I have a ride home? Alan. Is Billy Jessup picking on you again? Son, you're gonna have to face him sooner or later. Look, if you're afraid of something, you've got to stand and face it. Now run on, son. Sam just puts his arm around him and goes, Son, you go out there and you let those kids beat your ass. <laughs> yeah, he sure does. He's like, you have to face your fears. Sam will backpedal on that later, saying that he thought it was just one kid, but whatever. When Sam walked up, Alan put that prototype shoe down on the conveyor belt, right? The J. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, the early J. And someone has turned on the conveyor belt. The machine has eaten the shoe. Mm. It's destroyed the machine. You know, Alan watches all of this happen, and he watches Carl take the rap for it. I think it's too much for him in that moment. Yeah. I think he probably maybe in his head is just like, I will confess to that. At a later time. <laughs> I don't want any more <laughs> negative attention right now. Like, I am not going to have my dad tear my ass apart. In front of everybody. And then go get beat up. Yeah, no. <laughs> that's a fair point. Okay, fine. That's, that's a fair point. That's a fair point. 
I guess Alan is friends with Billy's girlfriend, Sarah, which is why Billy feels the need to beat the living snot out of him all Billy the time. Billy Jessup? Yeah. Is that, is that a Stephen King bully name or what? Billy Jessup, yeah. Yeah, Billy Jessup. They take his bike, the little criminals. They take his bike and they whoop his ass. And like afterwards... <laughs> Where he's just, like, stumbling about a construction site? Yeah, I'm like, does no one see this 12-year-old wandering through the construction site? What did I write? Also, no one cared what kids were doing. No wonder Gen X is so screwed up. (laughs) (laughs) Imagine all the shit they wandered away and saw. Because he he hears those drums. Those drums come back from the beginning. I said, oh, he has a concussion. He's probably hearing drums. (laughs) But he's following the sounds of the drums through this construction site. And he has to, like, dig that chest that they buried out of, like, the side of a hole. This is where I thought for the first time, is Alan the Chosen One? Because (laughs) Because of the proximity to the factory. I mean, it's his family's land. Maybe he was always meant to find it. Maybe some great uncle Parrish has buried that. <laughs> oh, oh, maybe, maybe. He opens it and it's just got this game board inside. It says Jumanji across the box. And I love that box art because everything that's depicted on that box, it's eventually going to come back to haunt us. Exactly. And I just love it. It's a great little piece of foreshadowing. So Alan runs away with the game tucked under his arm like he's stealing a nudie mag from a bodega. Mm -hmm. And he takes it home and just kind of puts it under the sofa. But it's later that evening and his parents are getting ready to go to some fancy party where his uptight dad has to make a speech. Who cares? Right before they leave to go to this dinner, they tell Alan that they're going to send him away to boarding school. Sam. We need to talk to Alan. <laughs> yeah. And he is seated at a dinner table for a hundred by himself. <laughs> they look at this very differently from Alan, though, don't they? Because this is the kind of thing that the men in their family do. Yeah. They're legacies at this boarding school. You have to go to this school that your family basically owns to say, hey, I'm a member of this family. It's not an appealing idea to Alan, who's already under a lot of community pressure. He's like, oh, great. <laughs> yeah, I can go. I'm get... already enough of a pariah here. <laughs> I can go get picked on while I'm wearing a uniform. And living in buildings named after me. Yeah, no, thank you. We end that confrontation like so many. With... I wish you weren't my dad. Yeah. I guess I'm not ready for Cliffside then. We're taking you there next Sunday. And I don't want to hear another word about it. You won't! I'm never talking to you again! They slam the door, and he's like, I'm Nick leaving. <laughs> he starts packing a suitcase to run away. And, like, I love how he get you know, the bread, the milk. He takes the board game. I know. I don't know why he thinks he needs the board game. Like, you forget about the board game up until that minute. You really do. It's almost like the board game was calling to him. Because he gets ready to go out the door. Ding dong! What are you doing here? I brought your bike back. You didn't have to. I was going over to Billy's to get it myself. I told Billy to stop picking on you. Teenage Laura Bell Bundy, who does not look like her adult self. She's Sarah Whittle. This is the girl that he keeps getting beat up over. And obviously she cares enough about him to come to his house and make sure that he's okay. And give him his bike back. Mm-hmm. She brings his bike back. And all of the sudden, we're compelled to show her the game. Like, forget about running away. Yeah. Forget about any of that other stuff we were doing. Now we're going to sit down and play this game. Look what I found in the dirt. You want to (laughs) play? Yeah. She's like, I gave up board games years ago and then drops those dice. 
and all of a sudden the pieces magnetize and they're moving on their own. Are they magnetized? <laughs> well, you or are know they it, just moving on their own? I was speaking more to the effect. Like the pieces just like spring to their spot on the board and they start moving on their own. <laughs> this is Sarah's fault. This Don't call this <laughs> you're right, Sarah's fault. You're right. We'll get into that. Neither but... of these kids have any idea. That piece moves and then, ooh, there's this little... There's this little crystal ball stuck in the middle of the board. Yeah, and it starts like, it's like the beginning of the movie with all the smoky text moving into place. Mm -hmm. And every time they roll the dice from here on out, there's going to be like this little two-line verse that goes with it. At night they fly. You better run. These winged things are not much fun. So there's definitely bats in the chimney, right? We don't see them. I think that's what I wrote. Miss me with that spooky shit. I can hear them things clambering around inside there. So like they're going to put the game away and the clock chimes or a bo dog barks or something. I don't know, but he drops the dice. Yeah, the clock. Yeah. The thing about this game is it doesn't give a damn whether or not you intended to roll. If the dice were in your hand and they gravity happened, then it's a roll. It's going to happen. He leans over the board and he reads it aloud. In the jungle, you must wait until the dice read five or eight. In the jungle, you must wait. What's that mean? When he's screaming, it's chilling to me for some reason. Oh, I don't no. know why. He starts dematerializing and blowing around like he's caught in a tornado. Yeah. And the bolt... The it's a twist. It's a it's twister. A twister. <laughs> We've all come full circle. Thank you very much. We'll be here all week. I'd like to talk about something. <laughs> yeah. I'd like to talk about trauma. <laughs> no, I'm going to try not to laugh. Because so, trauma's not funny, but... This was always the part I fast-forwarded through. <laughs> Because, you know, when you're a young, impressionable boy and you're watching films, you often will put yourself in the character's shoes. And I just kind of thought to myself, you know, I love board games. Yeah. But what if one day Carrie Ann and Mom and I were like playing Trouble <laughs> and I popped that bubble in the middle like too hard and my body disintegrated into the board. Oh my God. And I just got sucked. Watch my mother and sister scream in horror. I'm not laughing at you. I'm so sorry. I'd like to talk about Sarah's trauma. Yeah. This is trauma in action. It is. Because not only does Alan get sucked into the board, bye-bye, <laughs> entirely, but then the bats have decided to come out to play. Yeah. And so those bats swarm out of that fireplace, surround poor Sarah, and chase that little girl all the way out of the house. Yeah. And that's just kind of the end of that flashback. It's 26 years later, we're in the same mansion, and we have B.B. Newerth. Her name is Nora. She's touring this house with a realtor. I keep forgetting how big this place is. Judy, Peter, come look at this. I'm going to put a reception area right over here. Uh huh. <laughs> She's been recently given custody of her niece and nephew after the very sudden passing of their parents. We have Peter, the little mute. Yeah, we learn in the sequence that Peter doesn't talk much, not since the passing of his parents. We have Judy, the little psycho. <laughs> little psycho? Oh my goodness. She's a little psycho. Because she's a chronic liar. Yeah, and she goes right up to that realtor lady and she's like, our parents didn't really love us. <laughs> no. They're always out safariing or making peace in the Middle East. Like they're absentee yuppies. 
We didn't even know if they loved us. But when the sheik's yacht went down, well, they managed to write us a really beautiful goodbye note that was found floating in a champagne bottle amongst the debris. <laughs> Excuse me. Runs away giggling. <laughs> she thinks it's funny. And that realtor's just like, what? What the fuck? And then I just love, I just love Nora. <laughs> they were very devoted parents. It was a car crash in Canada. Peter is walking around the house and we cannot understate enough the fact that all of the parish's stuff is still here. Yeah. It, she bought a fully furnished house full of someone else's junk. That can be a turkey shoot. I, <laughs> wouldn't you agree? You never know what you're going to find. <laughs> Peter goes up to the attic to put some boxes down and he sees a bat. <laughs> that one bat that's been here all this time. And because it's a Jumanji bat, it can live 25 years. Yeah, I guess. <laughs> he freaks out. They call an exterminator. Okay, creepy fucking exterminator man with your stories. <laughs> I hate this guy because he's obviously just an exposition tool. Yeah, he's but like, he's well, whatever it was, it's gone now. But you know this here house you got is haunted. Well, personally, I wouldn't want to live in a house where someone was murdered. Murdered? Yep. Little Allen Parish. I say his father did it. There's a thousand and one places he could have hid the body in this house. Especially if he chopped it up first. So exterminator guy basically tells Judy and Peter that a little boy named Alan Parrish used to live here and his parents murdered him and cut him up into little bits and hit him in the walls. Yeah. And they're just like, what the fuck, for real? <laughs> <laughs> like, local legends are the stuff of such nonsense. We're in the morning. This is the start of it all. This is the big day. Yeah, this is the day where the bulk of the plot takes place. And so they're they're start they're standing out waiting for the bus. And you know, um, Nora comes downstairs and she's just like, "I want you to be on your best behavior today. I can't get called away from you know my very important meetings, <laughs> whatever that may be, and like, whatever the hell she does." She's going out the door, and those drums start again. You guys still have your house keys? You guys listening to me? Hello? Hello? What? Nora doesn't hear these drums. Is this like, does this have to be, is this like a thing where you have to be a kid? Like in Polar Express? Yeah. You have to believe to hear the bells? Yeah, or you have to be a kid to see it because you don't believe when you're an adult? Or you have to be a kid to hear these fucking drums? Yeah. Like, so Nora leaves, and as soon as that door is closed, they both look at each other and they run upstairs. <laughs> Judy's like, you do hear him. <laughs> He's like, hear what? And then they really start going and then they just take off up the spiral staircase. They're walking through the attic following the sound and i love this because it's like the game got pissed off that they were not finding it because the drums judy's standing like right next to the box and the drums all of a sudden start beating really loudly <laughs> you're like 
like, hey, dummy, I'm over here. It's like the ring. It wants to be found. So they get this game out. And, and like these kids, like for the rest of the day, we ain't boarding no bus. <laughs> oh, no. Like, we forget what school? <laughs> we have a game to play. Exactly. And... I love how, you know, they open up the game and, you know, the first thing you notice about it is that there are no markings. It's all these little white like tiles. White tiles yeah. all the way around. And the board's not really that big, but what can happen? They notice that there's two pieces already on the board. They tried to take them off, but, but they're just stuck. They're just stuck. They're not coming off. And Judy goes first. She rolls a six and her little alligator moves down the board and that creepy text comes back and it says... Tiny bite can make you itch, make you sneeze, make you twitch. And all of a sudden, the swarm of mosquitoes the size of hand grenades starts buzzing into the room. When I tell you I screamed, <laughs> fuck them bugs. <laughs> fuck them bugs. I hate mosquitoes, and they're so big. They're so big. And you know, I bet there are mosquitoes that size in Africa. Ooh, no Thank you. Or maybe at one time. I don't know oh, about today. Man. But they finally all just zoom out the broken window she yeeted a mosquito through. They are not phased about that. They are not McReady. <laughs> Somebody go get the bug off. And then Peter's like, okay, I'll bite and rolls. And Judy's like, don't, you idiot. <laughs> <laughs> do that again? So his little monkey starts puttering along the board, and this time the board says, This will not be an easy mission. Monkey slow the expedition. We're trashing the camp in the kitchen! <laughs> this herd of monkeys is throwing things around in the kitchen, ripping stuff out of the fridge, eating the food. And Judy and Peter are just like, huh, there is a direct line of cause and effect. <laughs> really? <laughs> you think so? It said bugs and monkeys and you got bugs and monkeys. And so, you know, Judy's like to Peter, you know, the, the instructions say if we finish the game, it'll all go away. I mean, come on, there's no skill involved. The stuff in the game is only going to vanish when someone reaches Jumanji, which is the center of the board. That's the little glass bubble where all the text is coming up. They've got to reach the middle and they got to call out Jumanji. Peter rolled doubles. Yeah. Because if you roll doubles, you get to go again. Th this message is a doozy. His fangs are sharp. He likes your taste. Your party better move post haste. I don't like the sound of that. Judy, someone's in here. This is good suspense fuel. Yeah. When be that thing's just standing in the bare shadow. Oh, yeah. And you're like, mm, I can't see it, but I know it's there. I can hear it growling. this fake ass lion <laughs> i know it's listen to me it doesn't look great but it was real enough for me as a kid so the lion chases them downstairs this is where after 26 minutes of screen time robin williams who received top billing finally enters the frame robin williams all he does not look like robin williams no he looks like he just won survivor that's what he looks like yeah 
This is where you first intellectualize, hmm, two and a half decades. Alan was left inside that game for 26 years. I can't believe he didn't die. He is wearing banana leaves and animal skin, and he hasn't shaved in all this time. Yeah. He is a wild man. To this day, I'll never understand why Alan came out of the game with the lion, but I don't care. I'm glad. He's here. I love him. I typed in all caps. Great graphics. <laughs> <laughs> that lion jumping around. Yeah, 95, man. He manages to shut the lion in, t in Aunt Nora's bedroom. Mm -hmm. And locks it in there. So that problem is temporarily fixed. This is when Alan begins to wig. Oh, yeah, because he's back in his house. And, like, you can see it in his eyes for a few seconds before he actually, like, it clicks. He's like, I know this place. And I'm just like, oof. Oh, yeah. Think about how far you've had to dis dissociate. You can take the boy out of the jungle. Yeah. But can you take the jungle out of the boy? Exactly this whole sequence it honestly made me want to cry yeah because like he's all happy yeah because he realizes he's finally back and he's looking at all his old things but you know he he doesn't really understand yet yeah he doesn't get it yet and uh, you know he looks at that picture of his parents and you know that makes me it made me really sad to think about everything that must have happened to sam and carol ann after he disappeared oh i mean because i'm sure that because you know we find out later obviously that sam spent the rest of his life almost trying to find him but then when you think about all the legal shit that they must have went through yeah when they didn't touch a hair on their kid's head i know the kids find him looking at all his old stuff and he turns and looks at them and goes somebody roll a five or an eight he did. Oh, thank you! 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 And then the manic chase. Alan goes nuts. He's so excited. It scares the shit out of Peter. He's like, no, don't let him attack me! Now we have to have the uncomfortable conversation where the kids explain to Alan that it has been 26 years. Yeah, he's running around the house going, Mom, Dad, I'm back. And I'm just like, oh, no, bud. My heartstrings. Are you Alan Parrish? Yeah. Who are you? We live here now. Where's my mom and dad? We don't know. This house has been empty for years. Everyone thought you were dead. These sorts of roles are like made for Robin Williams. Why do you think that? You know what I mean? There is just a little touch of magic in everything he does. You know what I mean? I understand what you're saying. Like, I wish we could articulate it a little more specifically. Like, like when, like specifically when he's going through his room. Looking at all his old things. And, you know, you have, you know, you have that music, that music track. And you're just like, you know, I know this. I've seen this before. You know, I felt this feeling before with Robin Williams. Yeah. You know, like, there is just a little bit of, I don't know. There's just something he can bring to a role that I truly believe no other human can bring. Yeah. It's, he's very, very special. Alan runs out into the middle of the street 
And this is where we meet Carl again. Since being fired from the Paris Shoes Factory, Carl went into the police academy and became one of our finest in blue. He takes one look at Alan in his jungle getup and thinks Alan needs to be committed, honestly. He almost hits him. Yeah. He Alan was... backs up into the street and then jumps on top of Carl's <laughs> cruiser. This cruiser takes so much abuse throughout the rest of this movie. I want a moment of silence for Officer Bentley's Crown Vic. Thank you. <laughs> this um, poor car. It'll go through so much. He just like gets in Carl's face and it's like, what year is it? Uh, it was brand new. No. What year is it? Uh, 1995. Remember? Finally, Judy's propensity to lie is going to come in handy. I was like, love that the lying's coming in handy now. <laughs> yeah, this, this is the only reason that he doesn't get hauled in. And all the while she's talking to the police officer, these monkeys are <laughs> inside the police car. <laughs> And they're messing with Carl's shit. And Alan's going nuts trying to deflect them away from the car. Monkeys. Monkeys. Oh no, the monkeys fire his weapon through the roof. And then drive away with his car. Yeah, we have monkeys with firearms. Carl runs after the cruiser to take care of that, and Alan just they keep begging Alan to help him finish to help them finish the game, but he's only interested in returning to some semblance of normalcy. He cleans himself up in the bathroom, and when he comes out, he looks like Robin Williams again. Mm -hmm. Not like Wild Santa Man. He's an amazing hairdresser for a wild <laughs> child. Yeah, he sure is. Probably never cut his own hair before in his life. But he just did. <laughs> he sure did. How about Peter and I play and, and you just sort of watch? Thanks. I've seen it. So if you're not going to help us, what are you going to do? I don't know. Pretty much take up where I left off. Wonder if Mrs. Niedermeyer is still teaching sixth grade. Peter has to use reverse psychology to get Alan to even consider helping them. Yeah, no. Guess what? He told him he couldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, no. I think this is why I love Alan so much, mm -hmm. because what was I just talking about before we came here to record? The way to get you to do something is to tell you can't do it. Yeah, and then I'll suddenly want to prove that I can do it. I'm like, Peter, you smart little potato. <laughs> Good for you. Yeah, this is where Alan gets all, I've seen some shit. I've seen things you've only seen in your nightmares. Things you can't even imagine. Things you can't even see. There are things that hunt you in the night. Then something screams. Then you hear them eating. And you hope to God that you're not deserted. Afraid? You don't even know what afraid is. You will not last five minutes without me. So we've convinced Alan to play, or at least stand guard. Yeah, and they're trying to take, I don't, I don't remember whose turn it is now. Is it Judy's turn? Judy thinks it's her turn, and Judy sits down, she rolls the dice. Nothing. Nothing happens. Zilch. Nada. Pieces won't move, there's no spooky text. And, you know, she's just like, you know, Alan, what's wrong? He sees those other two pieces already on the board. You're playing the game I started in 1969. I'm gonna have to play. It's not my turn. Whose turn is it? Sarah Whittle. 
And so, yeah, they're coming up to the house that Sarah used to live at when, at least when he knew her. They ring the doorbell and he's like, well, this is where she used to live. Probably married to Billy Jessup in a trailer park somewhere. <laughs> How is he still bitter? <laughs> he's still bitter about Billy Jessup. He spent 26 years in the jungle being bitter about Billy Jessup. Oh, God. And then, you know, Bonnie Hunt from the other side of the door. Do you have an appointment? <laughs> you see this sign that says Miss Serena. And oh, I'm yeah. Like, a psychic psych- reading. <laughs> she barely opens the door a crack. And there, there's this whole exchange between the crack and the door where Alan realizes that it's Sarah. Yeah. And he's trying to push the door open. It's He can't believe he's seeing her. 26 years ago, you played a game with a little boy down the street. A game with drums. How do you know that? I was that little boy, Sarah. She goes dead she, behind the eyes. She faints. She keels over. And Peter's like, you killed her. Ad lib. <laughs> really? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how they held it together. But legit, he just stuck that in there. You killed her. <laughs> it was supposed to just end. The shot was supposed to just cut. Uh, that's great. They kidnapped that bitch. <laughs> they did. Somehow, without anyone calling the cops. We get the voiceover of the phone call happening, and they're just rushing across the front lawn with her over his shoulder. This this man and these two children managed to drag her unconscious body back to the mansion. The first call is to the shrink. Oh, yeah. She's clearly <laughs> been going through it since all of this happened. She thinks she's having an episode right now. Yeah, she sure does. <laughs> Alan opens that game in front of her. And just like... Only back ten minutes before the hour. While we're waiting. Whoa! God! Sarah, Sarah, no, no, no! Oh, no! Sarah! No! Sarah, Sarah please, Alan, come on, I have spent over 2,000 hours in therapy convincing myself that this exists. See, what happened to you was so awful. I made up that... Sarah, 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 Sarah it was awful. It was awful. It was awful. It really was. Her freak out is hilarious. <laughs> she goes, no, 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 no. I've spent 2,000 hours in therapy convincing myself that none of this is real. She's squeaking. <laughs> she's squeaking. And you know what? I have to distance myself from that because she's probably having some real traumatic feelings oh, right now. Oh, no, no. Like, and she, Bonnie Hunt is amazing. I love Bonnie. Like, Bonnie, does, she's doing such a good job. Oh, yeah. And he's just like, you know what? This is obviously getting to you. That's fine. We don't have to play. And she's like, oh, God, thank you. And she goes to drop the dice in Alan's hand. And Alan just, like, turns his hand sideways and lets the dice roll. Alan tricks Sarah into rolling the dice. That's a nasty trick, Alan. (laughs) He's like, this is the only way it's happening. (laughs) She leans over that board game like she's reading the last words she'll ever read. They grow much faster than bamboo. Take care or they'll come after you. Oh, God. Tell me this isn't happening. Oh, it is. Stay away from the walls. Don't touch anything. All these green and yellow vines start creeping through cracks in the outlets and the walls. Little shop, little shop of horrors, little shop. This plant monster is a big nope on God. (laughs) (laughs) You meant, oh God. (laughs) And you know, Alan's like, oh, I've been new on these. Oh yeah. He's like, don't touch the purple ones. They shoot poisonous barbs. And definitely stay away from the pods, the big yellow ones. And it's not long before this Venus flytrap looking thing has its vines wrapped around Peter's leg. Every time that thing completely spreads, 
Oh yeah, when like, the pod opens up, Demogorgon esque. Oh my god! Every time it spreads its full foliage, I'm just like, it, it gives me it. Ah! And it's got that one vine that's like a tongue. It's coming out of its mouth. Yeah. And I always think about this when I'm eating spaghetti. Ah! When you slurp that one noodle back into your mouth, that's all I think about is that plant going. And it's got a hold of Peter. Oh my God, everybody, they're playing tug of war with Peter. Okay, Alan running to get the parish sword <laughs> off of the mantle. I hate this. Harvest time! You don't like his Schwarzenegger moment there? I didn't know who the screenwriters were, but I want them questioned. <laughs> we take a quick break from the game to check in with Carl. My car. Oh, my car. <laughs> Carl's found his police cruiser crashed into a tree. Please. Carl, come in, please. Yes. Carl. Carl here. We're in heaven's name, have you been? We've got a serious animal control situation on our hands here. Well, you gotta get Stan and Willie on it. I'm heading over to the old Paris place to check out a suspicious character. Oh. What I love about Carl is, especially there at the beginning, he has no idea about all of the pandemonium that's currently going on in his community. He's so fixated on Alan. How long have they been trying to reach Carl? <laughs> I don't know. It's probably... Carl. <laughs> Carl, come in, please. Has anybody seen Carl? <laughs> Carl. <laughs> What's her name? Francine or something? Something. <laughs> Patrice. I don't know. Lorena. Uh, Lorraine. It is Lorraine. It is Lorraine. Oh, I guessed it. Sort of. <laughs> Back at the house. The the plant monster has confined itself just to the living room for now. Yeah, because the living room's got these big glass doors on it. So they've trapped the vine thing inside the living room. <laughs> Sarah's trying to make a run for it. <laughs> she is. I, wouldn't you? I just love that. Sarah. <laughs> <laughs> She's like sliding down the parquet floor in her the heels. The game is not over yet, Sarah. <laughs> well, but it is for me. <laughs> we are not in the jungle anymore. Stop it. You can't treat people like this. <laughs> she has had it. They have to relocate to the library. Um, and like, you know, they get sat down again and she's like, Alan, please, last time I played this game, it ruined my life. <laughs> it ruined your life? In the jungle, you must wait till the dice read father. I was a little girl, Alan. You disappeared. And a bunch of bats surrounded me and chased me down the street. Like, they're arguing about who's had it rougher. <laughs> yeah, and I'm just like, guys, Alan has had it exponentially rougher. No, I know. It, this is not a contest. But then I was like, guys, guys, you're both in hell. Yeah, no. <laughs> I feel that, yeah. <laughs> You've both been in a quarter of a century hell. All four of them make a pact that no matter what happens, no matter what crazy nonsense comes out of the game, no one's going to stop playing until it's over. That way, no one else gets stuck in purgatory for 26 years. Alan rolls, and I don't know, this may be the one that, like, inspires the most fear in those moments before you actually see what it is. Yeah. Because Alan is visibly shook. Yeah. A hunter from the darkest wild makes you feel just like a child. What is it? appears again, this time as the character Van Pelt, whose chief interest is hunting the most dangerous game of all, 
Robin Williams. <laughs> and I'm just, I always like that line, just like a child. Because it's his dad. Yeah, that's, it, see, I have a note about that as well. Yeah. I love the idea of double casting Jonathan Hyde as both Van Pelt and Alan's father. It's like Mr. Darling and Captain Hook. Exactly. You know, <laughs> when, you, when you do Peter Pan, usually the guy that plays Captain Hook is also Mr. Darling. And it's just this great literary thing. Child characters who are at odds with their fathers, they manifest as the villain. Alan realizes that it is his time to be gone. <laughs> oh, yeah, because Van Pelt's shooting at him. He's the one that rolled the dice. And also, yeah, and Van Pelt is not going to go after anybody else but Alan until he has him. Alan eventually doubles back once he leads Van Pelt away from the house. And we're back in the library. Who's, whose turn is it now? It's Judy's turn. Yeah. Because now mom and dad are fighting. Maybe I should roll. Do you have any idea what it's like yeah. to be known as a little girl who saw Alan Parrish murdered? Do you think anybody showed up at my 14th birthday party? Well, not even uh, hello, person. I'm rolling now. Party, Billy who? I'm gonna roll. Hello, I'm rolling. <laughs> and so Judy rolls. Don't be so fooled, it isn't thunder. Staying put would be a blunder. No, you're immature. You are. No, you're the and they're arguing, just like, how does that, how does that, how do I do you feel that? <laughs> the entire house just kind of starts shaking, and that gets everyone's attention. Alan goes over the bookcase to observe everything slowly falling off of it. God. Run! It's a stampede! The game! Doing Lion King score right So the now. women and children run. Oh, yeah. And then Alan starts to run. He's like, oh, wait, can't leave the game in the way of the stampede. That stampede. Talk about a house party. <laughs> this is why the house is so big. Yeah, so we, have, <laughs> so we can have stampedes inside. <laughs> this is one of the better CGI sequences, I think. It really is. They did put a lot of work into this one. Elephants, zebras, rhinos, herbivores of all kinds come smashing through that bookcase right behind Robin Williams. Of <laughs> they rip through the hall and out just the side of the house. Did you know pelicans are that big? I did. Is that a pelican? That's a pelican. I wrote gull slash pelican. It's a pelican. <laughs> I knew I had a 50-50 chance of getting it right. Big bird. Oh, it's a huge bird. No, they're all watching the stampede go by and the game is just laying there. And this one pelican just lands in front of them. And I don't know, decides that the game looks delicious. Yeah. <laughs> it takes off with the game in its beak. <laughs> one of my favorite exchanges in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Alan's running away after the pelican. Why didn't you grab the game, Peter? Just ignore him, honey. He's a Libra. Where are you going? He'll head for water! Ignore him, honey. He's a Libra. What does that mean? I don't know what she thinks that means. Ignore him, honey. He's a Libra. I don't know. That doesn't strike me as something you would do. That doesn't strike me as something a Libra would do. I don't know. When Sarah and the kids find Alan, he's negotiating with the pelican to get the game back. Like, see the fish? Here's the fish. Yeah. Trying to distract the bird. And the bird kicks the game into the river. And now it's like a race, right? Peter is feeling like he has to prove himself because Alan's butt hurt that he let the bird take the game. Peter crawls out onto a tree branch and manages to snatch the game out of the water before it goes over the waterfall. Yeah, but Alan didn't do it. Yeah, Alan is not impressed. Alan's like, mm, whatever. <laughs> They're walking along the highway back to the house. 
And here comes Carl's police cruiser. You know it's Carl's police cruiser because he doesn't have a windshield. (laughs) And he pulls over because he sees them kids. Yeah. These kids that are at the center of all these weird events. I don't believe this. Every time there's trouble, I run into you. Me? I don't know what you're talking about. All right, I'm taking you in for questions. I'm not going anywhere. He cuffs Alan. He's just going to take him in for questioning. I don't even think Carl knows exactly why. He just thinks that Alan's suspicious. Alan's like, it's okay. Let him take me. (laughs) We'll finish the game later. And so they drive off and Judy's like, well, we're boned. Yeah. We can't finish the game without him. I I have in my notes, poor Peter. He was just trying to help. This little bitch uses his turn to cheat. (laughs) He's got like, what, 10 spaces left until he reaches the end of the game? 12. He's explaining to Sarah what he did. I thought I could end the game myself. I was only 10 spaces away. A law of Jumanji hadn't been broken. You will slip back even more than your token. You tried to cheat? No, I tried to drop the dice so they land on 12. Oh, okay, honey. Well, that would be cheating. Peter, your hands! Look at your hands! Peter has Robin Williams levels of fur on the backs of his hands. You cheat and you shall be monkey. If the law of Jumanji hadn't been broken, you would be set back more than your token. Get it, guys? Like evolution? I feel bad for this kid actor. Yeah. Having to go through all these stages of monkey makeup. Well, like three and a half hours later, we have a monkey. We cut to the car with Carl and Alan and they're on the radio. And this guy is talking to this chick at dispatch and he's like, listen, Lorena, I'm not going to be able to hold them down like this. You need to get the National Guard out here. And I'm like, the National Guard? Don't look me in the face and tell me this isn't a disaster film. We have stampedes of wild animals. We have monkeys with firearms. We have a white man with a high powered rifle and no sense of restraint. Alan knows that if he has any way back to the game, he needs to explain to Carl the whole sordid tale yeah, and try and make him believe him. He apologizes to Carl for getting him fired from the factory. You know, it doesn't mean much after 26 years, but I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry for what? It's me, Alan. Pumps the brakes. <laughs> what? The monkeys have found their way to town and the monkeys begin to loot. Oh, yeah. The monkeys have taken over. Speaking of monkeys, Peter is practically a monkey now. They're trying to get money out of the ATM for Alan's bail when Van Pelt just appears and tries to take the game because he's going to use it as bait. Mm -hmm. Alan's going to go where the game goes. Exactly. And so there's this whole there's this whole bit where Peter takes the game back from him and takes off running. And this is about the time that the 530 p.m. stampede comes through town. (laughs) And like Peter's running from elephants and zebras. And he dives into this car. Why? I'll never know. Because the first thing that happens after he gets in that car is elephants start trampling it. Peter gets pretty well crushed into this car and Van Pelt just kind of walks up like a boss after the stampede is gone (laughs) and yanks that thing out of the car. What's he going to do? He's He's trapped. Thank you. Apparently Van Pelt needs milk. Because he goes right over to the Sir Save a lot. <laughs> this little department store. Everybody is just looting. Yeah, it's it's pandemonium. Like who looked at each other and went, "Did you see the stampede? <laughs> Law and order is erased. <laughs> Let's go loot the Sir Save a lot. If the monkeys are doing it, we can do it. We're monkeys." <laughs> this whole Home Alone shit in the store. <laughs> Trying to get the game back from Van Pelt. Do we have to talk about the whole thing? Because I really don't want to. Like, it's just, it's 
it's really just a big game of keep away with the game. And it kind of comes to an end when Peter starts setting a complicated trap involving a canoe, laundry detergent, a barbell, and scuba gear. It ends with him being launched through the back wall of camping supplies. Meanwhile, Alan has gotten Carl to believe him and uncuff him. There, I'll let you go. Now what are we gonna do? You are gonna stay. Those are my keys, those are my keys! For your own good, you just stay there. My handcuff keys, wait! This is something I have to do! And so Alan cuffs Carl to the car for his own safety. He's like, you stay right here, it's gonna be worth it, you'll thank me one day. And then as he's running away, he hears the radio talking about Van Pelt shooting up a storm down at the Cersave a lot. And he's like, oh, I bet that's the white man looking for me. Yeah. <laughs> and so now, he needs the police car, <laughs> but he's handcuffed Carl to the driver's side door. Gently, gently. <laughs> he has to cram himself into the car. Alan speeds into town with <laughs> Carl's arm cuffed across his vision. <laughs> Alan, who has never been to driver's ed, has driven a car once since he returned from the jungle. Van Pelt has got Sarah, Peter, and Judy cornered in the Zersave a lot. In automotive. And he's like... <laughs> Stop your cringing woman. I could have shot you at any moment. Then why didn't you? You didn't roll the dice. Alan did. And then, you know, the brake fluid has gone out in the car. And um, Alan can't quite brake as he's driving up to the Sir Save a lot. Alan and Carl are screaming their heads off. It's so funny. There it is, there it is, there it is. Hit the brakes. 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 He should be here any moment. They drive into the store. And they cause this chain reaction that ends in Van Pelt being crushed by a shelf full of paint cans. This was not skillful. You don't think so? No. You don't think the paint cans look real? I don't think the paint cans are full of anything. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. And I understand that they needed to do it for the stunt. <laughs> they're bouncing like they're empty. Yeah, but they, you can hear these hollow-ass paint cans. Like, are we just supposed to believe shelves and shelves of empty paint cans in this store? Van Pelt should be dead, but he's not real. <laughs> so that can't happen. So that can't happen. Aunt Nora is driving home from whatever job she has. <laughs> do you have any more guesses on what it is Nora does for a living? No. She's got some nice self-help tapes that she's listening to in the car. She's stopped at a stoplight, and you love this. And there's just this news report going, the extraordinary events happening in Bramford, New Hampshire. <laughs> We're asking anybody with injuries to please dial 911. And she's saying that the stampede <laughs> is taking its turn at the intersection. <laughs> like it's a train. And she just like gets out of her car, and she's like, am I seeing this? <laughs> And I love the, the slow little rhino at oh, the yeah. end of the, he's just like, that's me. <laughs> yeah, you're that rhino. <laughs> that's me in gym class. Everybody else is way ahead of me. She was not McReady either. She wasn't. She, she did exactly what the kids did after the bug. She was just like, huh. <laughs> kids back in her car. Interesting. Here's the thing, guys. While she had the car door open, this monkey got inside and she gets carjacked by the monkey. It's absurd. Okay, so... Families reunited. We're trying to go back home. Peter is crying. Peter's upset. Yeah, life has not gone well for Peter the last 45 minutes. Peter's upset. He's a monkey now. <laughs> he doesn't know when this is going to be over. And, you know. Sarah badgers Alan into making nice with Peter. And he starts out being, like, really tough on him. Mm -hmm. Kind of repeating all of the same mistakes his dad made. And he's like, wait, am I being my dad? <laughs> yeah. Hey, hey. 
36 years buried in the deepest, darkest jungle, and I still became my father. It's okay. Come here. I'm sorry. Hey, it's all right. Remember what you told me? It's all right to be afraid. It's not that. Peter's just like, listen, I'm not upset because I think you're upset with me. I'm upset because his tail is growing and there's nowhere for it to go. And it's hurting him. Oh my God. <laughs> and I love it. He literally rips him a new asshole. It's <laughs> not how I was going to put it. I was going to say something to the effect of Alan lovingly rips a hole in his jeans for his tail. I don't know, but I wasn't going to put it that way. He's holding Peter's hand. They're walking back up to the house. He's like, okay, we're going to go inside. We're going to get this over. And then you open up the door and it's a big, bright, beautiful world. <laughs> it's a swamp. Welcome to my swamp. Remember, the vines have taken over the entire house. Mm -hmm. So it really is like the jungle in there now. You can hear birds. You can hear water trickling. It's like a whole ecosystem has appeared since they've been gone. As they're getting settled in at home, Carl, back at the Surseva lot, has managed to cut his door free from his vehicle <laughs> and then cut himself free from the door. <laughs> he's having such a tough day. He's driving, he's he's probably rushing back out to the parishes and he sees Nora on, on, the, the, road. on the side of the road. And she's like, wait, please stop. He pulls up, no door. <laughs> oh, can I have a ride home? Where do you live? Jefferson Street, the old parish place. Do you have children, a boy and a girl? Oh my God, what happened? Get in, I'll explain it all on the way. The whole time while this is happening, one of those sentient vines <laughs> is creeping out of the woods in through Carl's passenger side door. And Carl's like, get in, I'll explain it on the way. It just ignores. <laughs> the noise he makes. I, I cry every, Ross, when I tell you I cry every time. This plant goes through the top, turns the vehicle completely on its side. It folds it like a hotel towel. Hamburger style. It folds, <laughs> it folds the car hamburger style. And just pulls it into the woods. Best line in the whole film. Fine, take it! We gotta get to that house. Back at the mansion, it's Sarah's turn. And she rolls for a monsoon. <laughs> it literally starts raining indoors. <laughs> monsoon. Yeah, well, at least we're inside. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Another a monsoon. Another disaster to add to the list of things in this movie. Oh, everything is torrenting and filling up with water. This is a big house, too. Oh, I yeah. want you to think about how full this house is getting. I don't understand how it got so full when there's a gaping hole in the side of it where those animals ran Carrie. through. What? Carrie. <laughs> Leave that Leave rider alone. Leave the riders alone. <laughs> okay. Quit tearing those loopholes wider. <laughs> There's crocogators inside the house. Yeah, we've got more tank work in this movie because they have to film the scene where Robin Williams literally wrestles a crocodile. I don't want to drag it out. There's lots of drama. They battled two alligators. It's very tense. There's your crocodile Dundee moment. We're through it. Carl 
Carl and Nora have walked a very long distance in a very short amount of time. And we've arrived back to the house and Nora's trying to get into the house and she can hear, you know, all four of them inside screaming. Carl's like, hold on, wait a minute, wait a minute. I've always wanted to do this. He's always wanted to do the cop kick. He pulls out his gun, kicks the door really hard, and then all this water starts spewing from the cracks. They should have been killed. They should have. <laughs> but like, nor- both of them managed to like grab onto the doors and like surf all the way down the street. Miraculously, in a minute and a half, the entire house empties out of water. This last scene of gameplay is very chaotic. Yeah. So let's try and stay focused. Okay. Um, the only place left to play in the house is the attic, which is where all of this started. Alan rolls and it says, quote, Beware the ground on which you stand. The floor is quicker than the sand. And all of a sudden, the floor just starts behaving like some thick oatmeal. All of a sudden. <laughs> like, Alan drops through the floor. It's quicksand. And then Sarah's got a hold of him. <laughs> She's got her arms all the way in the floor. Yeah. Before Judy has the presence of mind to roll again. Yeah. Try to make that go away. And I don't remember why, but it reverses the floor thing. And now, Alan is stuck in the floor. <laughs> With his face and his arms are visible in the attic and his legs are dangling below <laughs> the level below. And Sarah's arms are trapped in the floor. <laughs> holding on to him. Holding on to him. So it's just, it's it's all it's already crazy. Very good thinking, Judy. Thank you. <laughs> Thank you, Judy. Thank you. That was very quick thinking. Sarah and I would like to get out of the floor. So it's your turn, Peter. I love his energy there. <laughs> the energy of Happy thought. I got it. <laughs> Not being in this slingshot. That would make me very happy. <laughs> Peter rolls and he gets giant spiders. Yeah. It just keeps coming. It just keeps getting worse. And I think the spiders are the worst. Because the spiders are not computerized. Yeah. It's practical. Yeah. And they're skittering across the floor. Mm-mm, I don't I do not do skittering. And they're making that screeching noise. Mm-hmm. And all of them are drooling from their fangs. It is disgusting. It's Sarah's turn. Yeah. And Sarah obviously is immobilized. She's stuck in the floor. <laughs> she doesn't have the use of her hands. So Judy goes to grab the board game. And as she pulls it up, a floorboard comes up and it's one of them barb shooters. Yeah, the ones that shoot the poisonous barbs. Shoots the barb right into her throat. She's just like, okay, that's me done. <laughs> <laughs> that's her last life, guys. And so they put the game over Alan's face, put the dice in Sarah's mouth so she can roll them. You're almost there with much at stake. The ground begins to quake. Sarah rolled an earthquake. The world, right where they're at, just kind of, you know, splits in two. But the game slips through the crack. Yeah. Oh, my God. But thankfully, so does Alan. (laughs) (laughs) He Tarzans his way down the grand staircase. Where does he end up? He ends up in the living room where he disappeared in the first place. Oh, wow. Really? Yeah. Oh, this, see, the room is so destroyed, he, you can't even tell. Yeah, he finally rolls into the living room, and he's got the game there with him, and he's got the dice, and he's like, okay, I could actually get this. And he's about to roll the dice, and then... Oh, Van Pelt holds that rifle up to him and is like... What's in your hand? Drop it. <laughs> 
Timothy drops him. He's like, him. all right, idiot. And one die lands on a one on the board and the other one just misses the board and goes through a crack. Oh, it's the worst. And it just starts dropping down level by level. Aren't you afraid? I'm terrified. But my father told me you should always face what you're afraid of. <laughs> Good lad. You're finally acting like a man. Oh, daddy issues. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> there's, there's the daddy issues. Yeah. His dad was always telling him, act like a man. He told it to Peter earlier. The die in the next realm finally <laughs> lands on a two. Any last words? And, you know, Alan looks down and sees his token move right onto the crystal part of the board. And it lights up and it says, Jumanji. And he's just like, Jumanji? Oh. Jumanji. No, Alan, no! <laughs> and that bullet comes to within an inch of her nose. And just slows all the way down. Without much warning, the entire side of the house comes apart. This is nightmarish. Because everything that has been put out into the world by the game is now being recalled to the game. And it's all happening in this nightmarish tornado. Yeah. Everything's getting swept up. Alan and Sarah are just clutching each other, mm -hmm. trying not to watch all this happen. And Alan opens his eyes there at the end, just in time to see Van Pelt's face get sucked into the game. Yeah. Oh, it's horrible. everything goes quiet. We finally get brave enough to take a peek. And it's 1969 again. And just like that, Harry killed Voldemort and woke up in his cupboard. <laughs> is, that, is that what you feel like? Yeah, and I'm just like... Like, imagine your entire life happening up until that point, and then all of a sudden you're a teenager again. Yeah. That would be awful. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, for us. It was all a dream. <laughs> Not for them. <laughs> Their lives are going to be better now. Yeah. Because, yeah, magically, we're back in 1969. It's like none of this ever happened. <laughs> they are shocked at the sight of each other. I know. Because they're like, what? <laughs> they look at each other, and then Sam Parrish walks back into the house. Yeah. He forgot his note cards. I'm so glad you're back. Only been gone five minutes. Seems like a lot longer to me. Five minutes? And just like, <laughs> seems like a lot longer to me, Dad. <laughs> no kidding! Dad, I learned to wrestle alligators! You have no idea what's happened! And, you know, basically he's just like, Dad, I'm sorry about the things I said. And this is the lesson that I learned from this. If you just admit to your parents that you were wrong to begin with, everything will be right with the world. <laughs> hey, look, <laughs> parents are not always right. And I think that's kind of what we're trying to take away from this because Sam also apologizes. Yeah, and Sam has this huge, like, weird character change of heart where he's like, yeah, we don't have you don't have to go to that school if you don't want to. I don't think he ever really would have made him go. I think he was really... Uh, I, I think really... he would have 100% made him go. No, this is my point about Sam is that I think Sam has a reflex to behave the way that he was raised or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he wants his kid to do the same. 
But when he really thinks about it, you know, that's his kid and he wants his kid to be happy. I always thought that Sam would have come around to that place. It's just that Alan got sucked into a board game before he could renege. And so Sam heads back out the door with his notes. And right before he goes out the door, Alan remembers. He's like, hey, Dad. Back in 1906, I mean, today in the factory, it wasn't Carl Bentley's fault. I put the shoe on the conveyor belt. Glad you told me, son. Thanks. Carl has a career again. Carl goes on to invent Air Jordans 15 years early. (laughs) I love it for Carl. He's going to be a millionaire. And also, I'd like to take this opportunity to say, the whole time Sam was back in the house, he did not notice the the teenage girl (laughs) in the living room. Like, literally not once. He doesn't acknowledge her once. I think there's one moment where he sees her and he looks at Alan and he doesn't say anything, but he's like, all right, all right, all right. Alan and Sarah, they chain bricks to this board game. (laughs) They're going to make sure nobody ever finds it again. I was like, gone girl. (laughs) They weigh that thing down and they toss it in the river. And I'm just like, (laughs) Jamajahu. I'm like, bye bye never again and you know they want they wander off together and they have very different lives Mm -hmm. they grow up together they get married Mm -hmm. he takes over his dad's shoe business Mm -hmm. because again jordans yes (laughs) they've got they've got the jordan money they're having this big christmas party in this epilogue scene here's the weird thing they completely retain their memories from that alternate timeline. Yeah. So they still remember who Judy and Peter are. They still remember that Judy and Peter have parents that died in a car crash in Canada. And that they were in advertising. So Alan makes sure that he finds them and hires them mm-hmm. to be a part of their, you know, advertising for the shoes. So they can meet the kids. Yeah. Yeah. And they show up to this Christmas party. They're like, you know, it's great that you can start with this company. You got a great family. Look at these beautiful kids. So when can you start? Well, actually, Martha and I were thinking of taking a little uh, skiing holiday up in the Canadian Rockies. No! Sorry. We, we just... Need you to get that marketing done on the new line, pronto. (laughs) See, now that's a good use of time traveling right there. You prevented those kids from becoming orphans. So then. Oh, yeah, we're not done yet. We get this shot of this sandy beach. And this camera is panning and you can hear those drums. And then it just pans by and you can see the game. Half buried in the sand. I think this film really informs upon the way that we deal with trauma. (laughs) How is that? Because there is so much trauma depicted in this film. Not only, you know, a traumatic thing that happens to you as a child, like a completely unexplainable traumatic thing that happens to you as a child. And you're all alone in it. And you try to tell people and they don't listen to you. Yeah, like what Sarah went through. Like with Sarah. You know, there are children that have to live in that trauma every single day, like Alan. Yeah. And there's specific traumas like, you know, not only violence, but, you know, loss, 
grief, it really brought a lot of those things to the forefront of my mind for the first time. Just the way she was having such a time with all of this, Mm -hmm. it really made you think about it for the first time. With several different characters. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, because Peter and Judy also have trouble processing. Yeah. Judy's a liar and Peter just stopped talking. Mm -hmm. Jumanji's kind of a way to look at life. (laughs) Is that so? Until it's over, things are going to you know, the shit is going to keep coming. If you don't deal with the trauma, it's going to keep coming back. Exactly. Yo, oh my God. Hey. Yeah. I, wow. And like, you have to play the game until it's over, until yeah. you win it. And until then, it's going to be an uphill climb. In the game of Jumanji, you win or you die. I mean, Jumanji means many effects. Yeah. Well, that's a life, isn't it? <laughs> it sure is. You know, I think it's, I think that this was just a very masterful dramatization of the Chris Van Alsberg children's story. This movie, like I said, completely changed the way I looked at board games. It was one of those stories that really got my little young writer mind working. Like, because when you start thinking about board games that way, you start world building in your head. Mm-hmm. And it's just dumb stuff you think about as a kid. But it really started getting me exercising that writer's muscle early. You know, Robin Williams, this is one of my top five Robin Williams. Mm -hmm. You know, his whole affect throughout this entire movie is, yeah, I've been in the jungle. (laughs) I've seen some shit. Yeah. We got to handle this. And, you know, it's not, he's just not his crazy, loose cannon comedic self. Yeah. But he also manages to be very funny. He has a very particular gift for anticipating every single reaction. Alan Rickman says it best. All acting is reacting. And that, and Robin Williams is great at that. He's the great reactor. (laughs) (laughs) The great reactor and improviseur. That's it for Disaster Month. Yes. I'm kind of glad it's over. Me too. I'm ready to talk about stories that don't talk about a great deal of human loss. Yes. And, you know, we had some fun there at the end with Jumanji, but now I'm glad we're going to be changing gears here because, guys, it's May. And before you get all pumped about it, no, we're not doing Star Wars for the month of May. No, we're not doing Star Wars. (laughs) One of our release dates falls on May the 4th. It was very tempting, but we're in the middle of a pandemic right now. Star Wars is a big thing. We just did Titanic. Yeah. We just did a big project. I'm not ready for another big one. So we decided that for a very special reason, for the month of May, we're going to be doing movies about mothers. Mm-hmm. Motherhood. Just all about moms, guys, because we miss our mom very much. Mom, I know you probably don't listen to these, but <laughs> I miss you very much. And I want to give you the biggest hug And if you're listening, (laughs) a round of applause for my mother, a healthcare worker, putting her life on the line for all of us. God bless you, Julie Mack. You're my hero. We miss both of our parents. Let's not leave dad out. We love you too, dad, but we're just going to be talking about queer shit in June. Sorry, there's not going to be a whole lot of room for Father's Day. (laughs) (laughs) We'll have to repay him by doing a movie. We'll have to do something special for dad. Yeah, something dad, a movie dad really likes. Mm -hmm. But anyway, yeah, the month of May is going to be about moms. And the first movie we're doing for the month of May is what, Ross? Mermaids. Starring Winona Ryder and Cher. I can't believe that she was ever referred to professionally as Cher Bono. (laughs) 
So look out for that, guys. In the meantime, you can go follow us on Facebook and Twitter at Kick and Stream. You can also write the show at Kicking and Streaming Podcast at gmail.com. And don't forget, guys, please be recommending us to your friends, to your loved ones. We'd love for more people to get in on this watch party. You guys have got a lot of time indoors. (laughs) Okay? Let's listen to some things. If you haven't written us a review yet, please go to Apple Podcasts or one of our other platforms and do so. We'd love to hear from you. We got nothing but time, so we're trying to come up with some content. Just remember, guys, be staying safe, be staying indoors. We're all going to get through this if we just do those two things. If we wash our hands and if we stay indoors. Maybe we'll have some kind of a summer. More quality content coming to you from Kicking and Streaming. Until then, I'm Carrie. I'm Ross. And as always, sorry, sorry Mom. Mom. Got the news, got the news, got the news.